All right, Kyle, I'm back. I left you. I was off flexing my dad energy. You know who else is flexing his dad energy? Vasily Podkolzin. Can he translate that dad energy into success on the ice next season? We're going to talk about that next. It's Bagsy and it's Bowen. And you're listening to Locked On Canucks. Your Locked On Canucks. Your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Locked On Canucks. My name is Trevor Beggs, Canucks writer and part-time credential media member for Daily Hive Vancouver. And before we get into the show today, we want to thank you for listening to Locked On Canucks. It's your team every day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's show, we got to talk about the dude, Vasily Podkolzin, just had his new baby and hey, Rick Talk has been uh, pumping this guy's tires as well. All going to talk about, again, Talk has been doing the media tour. He said some interesting things recently. And finally, we're going to touch on the Canucks' tiny forwards in their top nine. And can they win with those tiny forwards in the lineup? And first and foremost, let me introduce a guy who's not so tiny, Kyle Bowen. How are you doing today, brother? Dude, not so tiny in all the places you can see, hey. okay? It is what it is, right? Size, size does not matter over here, okay? Kyle Bound, Trevor Beggs, Locked on Canucks, your team, every day. It's nice to see you, man. It's nice to see you, man. It's been two days, two recordings without you, and one person who's really happy is not just me. It's Jay. That Jay guy, man. He called me your lou- lousy co-host. Your lousy co-host. <laughs> I'm going to call myself Lousy Bowen, all right? Anywho, it's not about us. It's about the people. We'll get to the comments at the end of the show. Yes, Comic Corner, the best part of the show. Again, at the end of the show, and we got a we got a ways before we get there. Okay, a lot to talk about today, and that's really because of Tockett himself. Okay, speaking a lot and speaking a lot about Pot Colson. And I heard that interview we had with Halford and Bruff, and he brought up he brought up the fact that Pot Colson is in peak shape right now. Peak shape. In fact, he's in such good shape that Tockett told him to slow down, slow down, buddy. Enjoy life. Uh, am I reading too much into this or am I just being super, super hopeful? Is Pod Colson actually going to push for a spot right away on this team? Because looking at this roster and looking at the glut of wingers and looking at Pod Colson's contract and it being a two-way contract, it just seems so easy for this guy to start the season off in Abbotsford, play a lot of minutes and do your thing. That being said, the way that Tockett was talking about him, you know, saying that he could bring the energy. We needed the four check. Maybe they can optimize him in a different role that's not so offensive, somewhere in the bottom six, and they could get a lot out of him. And he, he kept bringing up the word uh, enthusiasm. And all in all, I'm saying that Pot Colson can be a high, a high energy guy for the Vancouver Canucks. And I think they need him to be a pivotal part right away. All right. Look, look at the money he's making. Uh, look at where they drafted him. Uh, the more Pot Colson, the better for the Vancouver Canucks. First and foremost, Kyle, I, I got to say, you, you've been stepping it up, man. I, I can tell you're, 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 you're sounding seasoned, you know, you're watching the tape, you're listening to the interviews. Got it, man. And uh, you, you killed it the last couple episodes. And I know you already talked about Pod Colson yesterday, uh, but like you said, Talkit came out and uh, had some nice things to say about the guy, including the fact that he was at Canucks Development, development Camp looking shredded and that Pod Colson needs to take uh, some time mm-hmm. away from the rink. Look, we've heard <laughs> it before about Vasily Podkolzin and how, you know, at practice, he's one of the first guys on the ice, one of the last guys off the ice. Yeah. This guy, honestly, he he definitely works his ass off. 
Uh, I yep. don't think anyone's doubting that. But the problem is last season, it didn't really translate into, into much success, at least at the NHL level. Uh, that being said, you know, heading into next season, I know you talked about how it's easy to put Paul Colson in the minors, play big minutes. He's on that two-way deal. Yeah. There's no reason why Paul Colson shouldn't make this team next year. Like, I, I know Tanner Pearson is trying to make a return. Uh, Phil DiGiuseppe, obviously, uh, talk it loves him as well. But Paul Colson has the skill, and it looks, sounds like he's got the, the brute force and the size as well, that he should be an everyday player in the Canucks lineup next season. And I know you mentioned it yesterday. Again, go make sure you check out Kyle's solo episode talking about Hook Lender and, and a bit of Paul Colson in there. You know, this guy, again, he should be on the team next year. And, uh, you know, I, I've said it before, everydayers know, but I think the perfect spot for him would be playing with JT Miller. Ooh. Now, does he have enough skill to break into the to the top six? That is still up for debate. But uh, you, know, you talk about him being in the bottom six next year. You know, Kyle, I, I would argue the best spot for Paul Coles is just stapled alongside JT Miller next season. Yeah, and that's going to be tough, man. That's going to be really tough. He's going to have to hit a grand slam in September and push people down the lineup. It's just the truth. I mean, you brought up names like Pearson and DiGiuseppe. I mean, there's Beauvillier as well, you know? There's guys like Garland. There's guys like Mikheyev. It's it's a lot going on up towards the lineup, for real, for real, for real. But you never know. You never know. You know, this guy's a, a former, what, a ninth overall pick, if I'm correct? Tenth, yeah. Tenth overall pick. There you go. Boom, bam. Trevor Beggs with the stats. There is some pedigree there. And all he needs, IMO, is the confidence. And again, Taka did mention it. He he wasn't playing really free last year. You could tell yeah. he was just thinking too much. He wasn't ahead of the play. A lot of pressure. Again, his third coach in, what, 18 months, 19 months? A lot can go on for a young player. A demotion. Again, a lot can go on for a young player. Uh, this all being said, I think it's in the best interest of the Vancouver Canucks to to like fully develop this dude. I know that sounds like such an easy thing to say, but but give him the opportunity, give him the rope if he deserves it to spread his wings because he could be a, a gigantic X factor for a team that needs a lot of value, a lot of value from guys that are not making a lot of money. And I, I said this on yesterday's episode, and, and I was talking about how. How can, can can the Canucks can the Canucks buy low on some Pot Colson years? Like, can they extend him right now? Uh, I mean, theoretically, they can. I don't know if Pot Colson wants to leverage or negotiate at this point of leverage because of, of the season he had last year. But I'm looking at that OEL buyout and how it's going to affect this team in a couple of years. And uh, Pot Colson seems like one of those guys who you can get a lot of value out of and need a lot of value out out, out of uh, from a low contract. Uh, do you, do you see any possibility in that? Yeah, so I think the main point on that is why would Pod Colson sign a contract right now? Yeah. You know, he just had a, you know, a bad season, right? Like if he was coming off his ELC after the season where, you know, he had what 12 or 14 goals and 12 assists in a full season, like his, his first rookie season, then maybe it would make sense. Um, but right now I just don't see why Pod Colson would sign a contract, you know, cuz okay, he's got to bet on himself and and nobody's yeah. going to be better next season especially with the cap going up. Uh, the other thing I will say on that, though, and this is a bit of devil's advocate here, is that you know we kind of saw a bit of a trend this offseason, not not a mm -hmm. widespread trend, but uh, some lower in the lineup players signing long term deals. I think you know this became popular with Kyle Yarncroke back in 2016 when yeah. Nashville signed him to that like six year, two million dollar deal. But we saw it with Miles Wood, we saw it with Pierre Engvall, with Scott Mayfield and the Islanders. Um, so I don't know if that's a pot. I don't think it's a possibility for pot goals in this offseason, but next offseason I could see him signing something like that. And 
look you know, it if, he, if he if he does perform well next season and the Canucks decide him something like that, that'd be a huge, huge win for this organization. Yeah, it, and my scare is that, okay, like let, let's say your dream comes true and he plays with JT Miller and he has a great year and then they got to kind of blow the bank for a guy who's had one good season on top of blowing the bank for Heronic and Patterson and on top of having to play a pay, sorry, OEL, uh, four plus million dollars down the road for doing nothing for the organization. I just, again, want them to hit a home run uh, with this type of player. And I just saw a deal that Alex Newhook signed. I think it was like four yeah. years, 2.9 per year. Yeah. Uh, Again, Pod Colson doesn't deserve that right now. He's nowhere near that. He has to, you know, prove, you know, he can he can be an everyday NHL before he even gets that that type of deal. But uh, again, capitalizing on good value during Pod Colson's next deal is so so important for the future of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, especially in a time where uh, the team could potentially contend. Okay, but let's stop talking about the future. Okay, more more on next season, the season coming up. Again, you want to see him with JT Miller. I don't know if that's going to happen, like right away. Why not? Though, you know, you played with Phil DiGiuseppe for like all the second half of last season. Why okay. can't Paul Colson okay, be take this it, version take of Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. How does this happen, man? How does this happen? What's the roadmap? Like, give, give me the stats, like the preseason stats. Give, give, give me, uh, give me everything here. Like, how does he start the year after playing most of last year in Ab- like Abbotsford? Like, well, I guess it was a mix. It was a mix last year. How, how does he? How does he start the year with the most expensive board on the Vancouver Canucks? It just seems like super, super impossible. I think every uh, every training camp, every preseason, there's a surprise, right? We were all surprised to see Nils Huglander jump into the top six, you know, after True. just playing in the True. SHL as a 20-year-old or a 19-year-old back then. Um, so, I, you know, Pat Coles is more established than that. You know, this guy's got the track record, you know, even after his, uh, his draft plus one season where he had 11 points in 16 KHL playoff games. Like, that's hard to do for a guy his age. Um, and I think Talkett in his interview said that Pod Colson has to play more reckless. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was an awesome statement because what did we see from Pod Colson last season? He was way too careful out there. Mm-hmm. Look, this guy's got a shot. He's got some playmaking ability. He's got, you know, the 200 foot game built into his DNA. There's a lot to like about a lot to like about Pod Colson. But the thing is, he wasn't really playing with confidence last season. Yeah. So if he plays with a little confidence, a little dad energy, uh, hey. I don't think there's any reason why he can't just break into a top six role. Oh, I like it, man. That's, well. that's nice, man. I'm liking the energy, bro. I'm liking the optimism. <laughs> Usually, you're the dark guy in the program. I did not expect that energy uh, from you. I think I left a, left something in the comments today. I said, there, I think there's a 2% chance that Pod Coles, and this is prior to me listening to talk and speak, there's a 2% chance that Pod Coles and cracks the lineup day one. But I'm liking your energy. And Talkett kept bringing, uh, he kept bringing up uh, the word intelligence, right? I, I think it's pretty mm-hmm. obvious that Pod Colson is an intelligent player. He has that, a part of his intangibles, okay? For real. And him being able to tap into some recklessness, a.k.a. some intuition, fluidity, just be more fluid out there, not thinking too much, it could go a long way for him. And that has a lot to do with confidence. So September, and we're hearing the summer was really well. And again, he played in Abbotsford a lot last year, a little bit of win and a little bit of confidence. September is huge, man. September is huge for Pot Colson. Anyways, carry on. Oh, I, I 100% agree. Um, I'm trying to think of where I was going to go with that next. Not but, bad. you know, the, I think one of the last points I'll make about Pod Coles and potentially playing in the top six, again, why not? But you, you look at the Canucks lineup and it's like, Mikheyev, I'm wondering if this guy's going to be ready to go, right? Like he's coming Ooh. off ACL surgery. He's not going to start skating till August by the sounds of it. Ooh. Tanner Pierce is another guy who it's like, you know, is he going to play? How effective is he going to be? 
Um, Garland was playing on the third line last season. He's not necessarily a talk at favorite. Beauvillier played well, but he just got here. And it's like, again, why not Paul Colson? And, you know, every day is no. Maybe I've been a bit harsh on the guy. Called him like a potential bust and blah, blah, blah. But True. I also I also think that Paul Colson could do it. You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. still a believer in the player. I don't necessarily see like a 60 to 70 point guy, but I could see a guy who plays in middle six, again, potentially beside JT Miller, you know, play a little reckless, cause some havoc, uh, score some goals and, you know, be responsible as well. Like Again, there's a lot to like about Paul Colson. And, you know, if you pair him with a guy like Miller instead of just burying him on your fourth line, I think that's probably the best way to get the most out of him. He, he's still one of the, the most important players in this organization. Yeah. Very much he's cheap. So. Cheap labor, buddy. And they, <laughs> dude, the Canucks, I know he's a, he's a betting dude, but Alvin and Rutherford and the system and the people they put in place have to develop these players. They have to execute. I'm done with that narrative. I feel like that narrative has been around for not just the betting era. It kind of somewhat happened during uh, the latter part, actually for the majority of Gillis's era too, you know, just developing any prospects for that matter. Pretty rare. It's got to stop. They got to execute, and it does start with Hoaglander, IMO, and it does also start with Pod Colson. And, yo, by the sounds of it, bro, sooner than I thought. Sooner than I thought. Again, I was expecting you to come in with the same energy as me, you know, Pod Colson starting off the year in, in the AHL because of the contract, because of the wingers, blah, 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 and maybe getting called up in, Maybe it was like middle of November, maybe December, you know, you know, and then he sticks around with the team. But if he if he comes to camp with the energy, the enthusiasm, the intangibles and a little bit of recklessness, I can definitely see this guy be a talk it favorite. And I, I also see Hoaglander becoming a talk it favorite as well. But we'll talk more about that on another episode of Locked on Canucks. Trevor Beggs has to get to break. And man, oh, man, I got to say, it's nice to have you there. OK, it took us about four or five minutes to get. Get the blood, the, the blood going for us to be a little reckless here on the program. I'm excited to see what's on the other side of this break. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned Hoaglander, and I do want to talk about him a bit on the other side. Again, I know you talked about him yesterday, but you know, we look at Hoaglander, Garland, and Bavilia. Can the Canucks win with uh, quote unquote tiny wingers on their roster? More on that next. But first, I got to shout out FanDuel, okay? Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. By the way, before we get back to the show, I got to remind you again that every episode of Locked on Canucks will be available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcatcher at 4.20 p.m. for no reason at all. Again, every episode of Locked on Canucks at 4.20 p.m. for no reason at all. Let's get back to the show. Okay. Okay. We back. Locked on Canucks, your team. Every day. Got the Red Bull. I got one too. Cheers, Begsy. Enjoy that sip. One love to you. We bring in the energy. Now we warmed up. Segment number two. Begsy and Bowen, your team every day. Man, oh man. 
I gotta ask you though, did, did you feel like you have dad energy? Like I know it's your second time around being, you know, like this getting this dad feeling, you know? Uh, describe that energy, you know? Long road trip yesterday. Did you feel like a superhero? Did you feel like something happened inside of your heart? Like, did uh, answer the question? You know, man, I, I I I do feel like I have the dad energy in a way. There you know, you it's you know, I think you're you're sleeping less as a dad, so you gotta you gotta find energy just through being a dad. Okay, Ooh. that's that's just the way it is. In terms of the in terms of the long trek yesterday, and I was telling Kyle before we hopped on, uh, accident on the Coquihalla yesterday. Took uh, 11 hours to get home from Revelstoke, maybe maybe 10 ish hours to get home from Revelstoke as opposed to six or seven. And uh, yeah, I said, No, my wife is the real MVP. Okay, I'm just driving. Yeah, okay, she's rocking the baby, she's feeding the baby, she's playing the tunes. Okay, what am I doing? I'm just driving. I'm just driving. Okay, okay, let's talk about the tunes. Okay, before we talk more about the hockey, all right, like you got to be careful about what you play in front of your uh, one month old baby, right? Because people don't know that people don't really uh, understand. slash put a lot of importance on how much they absorb at that age. Maybe it's because they don't speak and they're just kind of, they're just kind of there. But again, they just absorb so much, so much early on. I read the Tiger Woods book. I learned a lot. That guy was just around golf at two weeks old. Okay. For real. Anyways, are, are you, are you cognitive of like what you're playing around him as far as like making sure there's no swear words? No, uh, you know what I'm saying? Booty, 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 rock, rocking everywhere. <laughs> I eat the booty like groceries. Like you're not letting those lines go. Come on. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, okay, so when I'm in charge of the music, I'm definitely dr- trying to drill like classic rock into into oh. my kid's head. You know, playing the Beatles, playing some Zeppelin, playing some Zappa. You know, that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, in the drive yesterday, I, I let my wife be the DJ. Okay, she's got all her like songs. There's lots of feel good music. You know, some dance, some pop. I'm walking you know, some, on some alt rock. Whoa. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe a bit more uh, a bit more <laughs> than that, but you know, okay. yeah, sure, I like it. sure, we'll go I like with that. It. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like it. I like it. Locked on Canucks, your team every day. Tiny forwards, the Canucks have, uh, I guess, you know, three of them, four of them. They got a couple of them on, on their team, right? Uh, I think the three we're talking about are Beauvillier, Garland, and Hoaglander. I think we're talking about those three because we can we can see them slot in, in, the, top, in, in, the, in the top nine and have an important role uh, with this year's version of the Vancouver Canucks. Is it going to equate to tiny results? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think so, only because it's the regular season. Maybe this is a problem later on in the playoffs, and I've mentioned this a couple days ago, right? I, I don't think the Canucks have to worry about it too much during this season with this version of the Vancouver Canucks. I think they need to get grittier and more tough and maybe more big in the forward department later on, right, When they take the, after they take the first step to being a contender. But I'd love to hear what you have to say about, again, Garland, Beauvillier, and Hoaglander playing important roles for this year's version of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, so one of the reasons I started thinking about this is because Bovillier, Garland, and Hoaglander, if they all make the team, and Hoaglander is really the only if there, uh, but he should make the team because he's on a one-way deal. You know, those guys are all like sub 5'11". I think Bovillier is listed at 5'11", but uh, I've seen him listed as 5'10 as well. Um, so that's three forwards in, you know, of your top six wingers uh, that are undersized, right? So I started looking at, you know, some of the contenders last season uh, and the season before with Tampa and Colorado. and you know, at the end of the day, there's just like, like Vegas in general has Jonathan mustard salt. And hey. aside from that, everyone's six foot plus like Vegas is a big team, Dallas, big team. Um, you know, Florida, the only guys they had sub six foot were uh, Ryan Lomberg and Nick cousins. Okay. Like those aren't important players. Um, I looked at Carolina, Carolina might be the one team uh, that's succeeded, I guess, with some three tiny forwards in their lineups. They have Seth Jarvis, 
Tilvu Teravainen and Jack Drury. And I kind of looked at Drury as like the Hoaglander type and Jarvis and Teravainen as your top six wingers. But but even then, like Jack Drury barely played a role in the team last year uh, and was marginalized in the playoffs. I, the other team that kind of stood out to me was Tampa Bay because Kucherov and Point are both sub six foot. But again, we're talking about Kucherov and Point, two of the best <laughs> players in the game. These aren't yeah. just like middle six players like Garland, Bavilia, and Hoaglander. So at, at the end of the day, I, I'm skill oversized for sure. Like that matters more than being big, but I just can't think of a lot of teams in recent memory. And again, regular season success is one thing. I'm talking about playoff success more so here. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't can't think of a lot of teams with that many smaller forwards in their lineup who've gone on to do big things in the playoffs. Well, dude, I think this is, again, a conversation that's going to be picked up if this team does take the next step to get into the dance. And you know what happens, right? The team gets eliminated in the second round, the first round. Oh, what happened? Oh, they need to get bigger, blah, blah, blah. Beauvillier off the books. UFA, Garland potentially still getting traded. Uh, there's no point of having all three of these guys on the same team. Uh, you can see it happen. And I, I did mention this uh, yesterday, right? On yesterday's episode, the solo episode, uh, you know, talking about Hoaglander for real. I talked about it, man. I talked about how I truly believe, I truly believe that if Hoaglander has a really good season and he takes the next step, it's going to be a lot easier for this team to want to move off Garland. And I didn't think of this, and this is probably the easier solution. If Hoaglander has a really good season this season and they haven't extended Beauvillier, he's gone because I don't think you can have all those guys on, on one team. You'd rather free up the money and do something else in the offseason. And again, we've mentioned it five or six or seven or eight times. Next offseason, the free agent list, it looks kind of fun. It looks kind of fun, okay? For real. I don't know if all three of these guys can survive going into 2024, 2025. I actually think that's impossible. Yeah. To be honest. But this time around, this time around, I think it's all good. They bring things to the table. They got to keep Hoaglander to develop him. Beauvillier, Garland, they can do a lot for the team. And this team needs good NHLers. They got to take the next step. They got to have skill here, you know? It just, it makes it makes sense. And high work rate players. Like, I think Beauvillier, he's shown it in the past in the playoffs. Garland, we see it. And we saw a little bit of it from Beauvillier last season as well. High work rate. We need it. We need it. Do we need it in two years? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, like I said, next season probably doesn't matter so much. But going forward, I just I just don't think all three of those players can be on the same team. And you know, we did we did talk about it a couple episodes ago too. Every day is no. I mean, Connor Garland, he's a guy that should have value on the trade market. Again, the cap has definitely uh, screwed that up to to put it to put it in a PG way. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens here in the off season. Um, again, I think you know maybe in the a few episodes from now, I do want to start projecting the Canucks lineup going to next Me season. Too. Like, where do all these pieces slot in? Uh, but that's for another day. For now, we got to get to combat corner, buddy. Uh, we do, we do. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Canucks, your team every day, Kyle Bowen and Trevor Beggs. And yeah, let's let's get right to it, okay? Comment corner on the other side. Again, you're listening to Locked on Canucks. Okay, before I get back to the show, I got to remind you that I have a Canucks blog. It's called Extra Extra, featuring Kyle Bowen and friends. If you want to learn more about it, hit the link in the bio below. It's It's just some reading and some writing done by me and again you and maybe trevor so hit the link in the bio after the show speaking of which let's get back to the show okay okay trevor Beggs, kyle bowen locked on canucks your team every day we back 
and big emphasis on we. You know, again, congratulations, congratulations to Jay, to Jay. Okay, Jay is probably having the time of his life right now. Uh, again, uh, uh, he he doesn't like me, but it's okay, right? Because love us or hate us, it's always go Canucks, go, and it's especially go Canucks, go when we run the segment Comment Corner again here on Locked On Canucks. It's time for Comment Corner. Okay, let's do it. First comment goes to, oh, that was the wrong comment. It's this one right here. Okay, first one goes to the real AT. Uh, shout out to Kelowna, I think he's from. Amloops, uh, he's one of the biggest fans of the program, okay, for real. This guy, this guy brings it. Uh, he said that Garland is so underrated here. Uh, is he talking about the fan base in general or just here on Locked on Canucks? Because I think we've done four or five episodes on trading Garland. We also did one on how trading him could be a mistake. So, yeah. but you know, fair enough. And I, I shout out to the real AT, keeping it real. Uh, keeping always it doing real. Locked on Canucks. He's an OG for sure. He's going to Kyle's wedding. Uh, I kind of forgot that Garland had a hat trick in his last game of the season against the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> his first career hat trick. Screw those games, dude. Don't even bring up those games, dude. What a preseason I'm game. I'm just happy bro. for Garland, the... man. No, who I'm cares, just happy man? For Don't even bring up those guy. games. Those games do not matter. Okay. The real AT said that Garland is so underrated here. This guy can create offense by himself on the third line. He's not old either. He forechecks. He's a motor. He's weights. He's way more valuable to me than Beauvillier and Hoaglander. Yes, he's overpaid, but he's a huge positive on the team. He's capable of hat tricks from the bottom six. Bro, he he brought up the hat trick too from from the last game of the season. Okay, that hat trick is irrelevant. That being said, I don't think he's overpaid. I don't think he's overpaid. I don't. I don't. I just think the Canucks are. They're in, they're they're going to continue to be in cap hell, okay? Like I, I think they're going to maneuver and be creative and even be. I think they might be a little dark this uh this uh this season as well. I, I, I I'm going to put this out there, okay? Let's say Tanner Pearson is healthy. Are they going to waive Tanner Pearson? Potentially, I don't I don't think it's off the table, right? Like if he's not one of the best, let's say nine wingers on this yeah. team at training camp, they could waive him for sure. Just- I, I wouldn't bet on it happening, though. <laughs> that would be a dark move. That would be a dark yeah. move. It would be a dark move. But I could definitely see this team again. And I think we've already kind of seen it. They're kind of hesitant to just move off of Garland for nothing because I think they know that he has a lot of value. And next season, the Canucks have to take the next step, especially if they didn't sign Patterson yet. They, they might as well keep all their best NHL players, do their best to win games and impress the guy. And if that's the case and they have to scramble to like save hundreds of thousands of dollars here and here and here, and maybe they'll trade Myers, maybe they'll wave them, or maybe they'll wave Pearson, which would be dark. I know the fan base will get mad at that, right? Human resources, they'll be mad, but it's the NHL. It's a tough business out here and they got to save money. And again, though, I don't think they're giving Garland away for nothing this off season. It would have already happened. It would have already happened. They had to fill up so many holes, bro, on July 1st. And I don't think Alvin would have walked into July 1st without the guarantee or the uh, like the security of having the money available. And if he thought there was any doubt that he would not have the money available to get Susie Cole and Bluger, he would have moved off of Garland just to make sure he could fill up those holes. And again, I don't think this guy's giving up Garland for nothing. It's not going to happen. He's too He's too good of a hockey player, okay? Comment number two goes to Jim Gap, okay? The Canucks need a third-line center. Uh, what about that trade with the Islanders? Garland for Pajot. Uh, you keep bringing this up. Now this guy's bringing it up as well. Who knows? Who knows? It may happen. And 
uh, I read the whole third line center comment and it really made, really made me think about Hedy Bluger and how I actually see him. I, I actually see him being the fourth line center or the future version of the Vancouver Canucks. I think, I think the Canucks don't go into the 2024 campaign. I know we're talking about the future here with both Neil Zaman and, and Teddy Bluger. I think one of those guys get that slot because they definitely need a third-line center, you know? And I think they're going to have some money available next year to get that done. Yeah, we'll see. And shout-out to Jim Gap. Uh, uh, Jim Gap in every day, I know I've seen him, I've seen him in the yeah, comments a few times, but I've suggested that trade before. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've suggested that trade for sure. And, yeah, we'll see what happens. And, Kyle, I tend to agree with you. I, I would kind of think the Canucks are probably leaning towards keeping Nils Amon at this point, but they also want Nils Amon to prove it. You can't just give this guy a roster spot because, you know, Alvin found him in Sweden. You know, it's he's got to earn it. So, um, well, also, pro- this is probably for some August episodes, but I also want to do some some roster battles episodes as well. And I think Bluger and Amon's a good one to dive into. It is, man. Uh, well, like, I get, maybe if they don't, Bring in, bring in another center. Like, there's not much of a battle, but I'm just looking ahead into the future and I'm thinking, okay, this could be a battle for like the season after next when they're building out their lineup. And again, ne- next season matters. I-, I saw the I saw the posters on the bus stops. Right, next season starts now. It matters. It matters. But the season after that and the seasons after next season are the real seasons. You know, like those are the ones where the Canucks have to be positioned into being a, being a contender. They have to, okay? You're representing Vancouver, and it's time to take steps. For real, for real, for real. Oh, damn, the phone's ringing. Anyways, Ted Lee, uh, one of the new fans on the program, I think, because I've never seen him comment before, or maybe I'm not reading it right. Anyways, he's talking about Raddy, Pot Colson, Hoaglander being a part of one line down the road, the future of the Vancouver Canucks, maybe... In 2024, 2025, that's your third line. Uh, you know, we've we've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks, right? It's your team every day, and we never bring up this guy. You know, when we talk about the Horvat trade, we talk about what went to Detroit, and then we talk about Beauvillier. Have we, you and I, already forgotten about Atsu Ratu? Uh, I mean, we did do an episode on how, you know, could he be the next JT Miller, right? Because that was a main comparable for Atu Ratu. And, you know, him and JT Miller had similar production in the AHL at the same age. They both kind of broke into the AHL at the same age as pretty young guys. I think the reason we want to talk about Ratu is because next season is all about just developing in Abbotsford. You know, he's not going to be making an impact for your Vancouver Canucks. Um, what's important for Ratu is to improve his skating and to just be an everyday top of the lineup player for the Abbotsford Canucks. I think if he can do that next season, it'd be a successful year for him. He's certainly an important player of this team. He was an important yeah. part of that trade, but he, I don't think he's going to be an important part of the Vancouver Canucks team next season. We're, we're talking about, we're talking a lot about the future of the Vancouver Canucks, about the years after next season and Pod Colson, Hoaglander and Atu Ratu. If they, de- if they develop and the Canucks can execute and develop, Man, oh, man. Man, oh, man. That's huge. Huge to put this team in position to being respectable. It's all about being respectable, man. I'm, I'm not sick and tired of talking about assumptions because I'm having fun here. Trevor Beggs, Kyle Bowen, Locked On Canucks, your team every day. But I cannot I cannot wait to talk strategy, to talk work ethic, to talk about what went wrong in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like the real stuff, real hockey games. I can't wait to talk about that, and I can't wait for winning to be associated with that as well. Hey, speaking about winning, Trevor Beggs, man, father of the year, doing his thing. He's back in the fold. Your team every day, Locked on Canucks. Hit the subscribe button, like button. Uh, let us know how you felt about the episode. 
wherever you stream podcasts, leave us a review, right? Why not? Kyle Bowen, Trevor Beggs, again, Locked on Canucks. Beggsy, sign us out. Yeah, do all those things that Kyle said. And go check out Kyle's own podcast network, okay? This guy makes like 27 other podcasts a week. <laughs> uh, you know, check it out all week with Kyle Bowen on kylebowen.com. But for now, shout out to the everydayers, the occasional listeners. And if this is your first time listening, where have you been? But anyways, <laughs> welcome to the program. we got shows coming out five days a week. It's actually going to go down to three days a week uh, starting next week. But we might do a little bit more, you know, here on Locked On Canucks. I do mm-hmm. want to do a couple deep dives on Ian Cole, Teddy Bluger, Carson Soucy, tell you what exactly they're going to bring to the Canucks and maybe what are some of the warning signs with them. And as I mentioned before, we want to project the Canucks lineup going into next season as well. But for now, I'm Trevor Beggs. He's Kyle Bowen. And thanks for listening to Locked On Canucks.